You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight we're talking about the newest Star Trek film, Star Trek Beyond, as well as the other two Star Trek movies in the Abrams-verse. Or the Kelvin-verse. You know what? I, we should look up the uh, the intro for Klingon and do a knockdown. No, let's not do that. <laughs> you know, people can actually speak Klingon. That's a thing. Being bilingual is always a good thing. Touche, sir. Touche. Well, I guess we should get I don't this bitch. No, if I would pick one that doesn't <laughs> exist. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. I mean, forget you, Barbara. We're on a mission. All right, sweethearts, you heard the man. Pull him out. Come on, let's have him. I will show you where I have made my home while preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. How great war is a spiritual war. How great depression is our lives. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Howdy. Hey, dude. So we're here talking Star Trek, the Abrams-verse, or whatever. We, we just went over this. You know, up, up until... We looked this up. I had no idea that it was a... Uh, I just always called it the reboot. It's a reboot, but I, I guess we'll get into that here with the... We're going to go back and we're going to talk about the first two Star Trek films here before we get into the new one. Uh, spoiler warning. Let's go ahead and put that out right now. So if you haven't seen these, don't listen to this because uh, we're going to spoil them. J.J. Abrams, 2009, Star Trek. It was a reboot. It did relaunch a dying franchise or a dead franchise. It was also at the same time in that universe, and it actually split at that moment. Which I thought was a very, like, cool Star Trek-y way of rebooting the movie. But still keeping... It's a sequel, but All the other a, stuff. Because you still get, like, Spock from the original movies. Yeah, now we can have two Spocks. You can create whole new stories because there's a new timeline. Yeah, it's a way to have your cake and eat it too, as they say. Okay, so did you like this Star Trek 2009? Yeah, very much so. Dude, I like this a lot. Thoroughly on board after seeing that movie. I, I didn't like the sequel into Darkness as much. I didn't hate it as much as you did, but it felt a lot like a sequel to me. The The 2009 reboot really felt kind of fresh and a new take on old characters. And Yeah, I mean, I really like this cast. Man, I thought they nailed all the, all the major characters that you need for Star Trek. Ahura was great. Kirk was great. Spock. Bones. Everyone fit. It was nice. The new dynamic between Spock and Kirk. Yeah, that worked out well. Like how they were very standoffish at the beginning of this movie. And as it goes further and further on, they start to become friends. And I can go along with that journey with you, these characters and enjoy it. You know, as a fan of some of the older movies and the old old series, I thought it was cool to like see how Kirk cheated to beat the Kobayashi Maru Oh yeah, that we all, you always hear about in uh, Rathacon, right? Which is still probably my favorite Star Trek. Movie. Oh yeah, dude, that's the best one, man. Come on, God! Oh, it's so that's so great, man. That's hands down. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Montaban, uh, Ricardo Montaban. Oh man, some of those lines he's got in there. Oh, that's so good. We we, we need to, we'll do a podcast just for Rathacon. But yeah, hey, you know this is kind of cool. Fiftieth episode. 50th anniversary for Star Trek as well, so... Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh, 50 that, years. That timed out well. Yeah, that was totally accidental. <laughs> as you can tell by my surprise that it worked out that way. You know, I guess we should in, have this have a moment in the podcast where we make a bunch of lens flare jokes. <laughs> I didn't. I actually didn't really notice them in the new one. Uh, which one? This new new one? Yeah. The third one? Yeah, I didn't notice them. Uh, they, don't, they toned them down a lot. You can still see them on like I the noticed ship. them a lot in the reboot. Dude, they're all over this 2009 one, dude. And the sequel, I noticed a lot of them. 
he, well, Abram, he toned him down. Abrams likes his likes his lens flares. Yeah, and most of those, uh, he actually shoots it that way. He shines a flashlight into the into the camera, out, you know, just outside of the field of view, and boom, you get lens flares. And apparently, uh, Abrams likes to shake the shit. I would hate to be the camera op in this movie and have Abrams just smacking the shit out of the mag and just constantly <laughs> shaking it. Because I mean, you watch the behind the scenes; that's what this guy's doing, and you're just like. Man, you have so much energy on set. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he looks like he had a I good want time. Energetic. Yeah, and a lot of people criticize this movie for being more Star Wars than Star Trek, and I think Abrams has gone on the record to say, you know, Star Wars was what he loved, and it kind of looks like he took this, you know, to get that out of his system. Little did he know he'd be doing Star Wars six years, seven, eight years later. I never really got that criticism. Like to me, it just felt like a more actiony. Star Trek. I felt like they updated... Old Star Trek has a very, like, naval ship in space approach to it. Right. You know, where it's it's, it's almost kind of like a sub-movie in outer space, and these ones are more like airplanes, and yeah, they I mean, do kind of take that. From, I guess you could, if you look at it that way, I could see why people would say, no, this is more like Star Wars. Yeah, they do have that, but they still were... They do a good job of putting enough time on the bridge with the characters to talk about how they're going to figure out their problem. That that's what I always like about Star Trek: getting the gang all together, using everybody's intelligence all over the room and their special fields, and figuring out the problem. And you know, I mean, I've I've seen a lot of people writing some hate about the 2009 Star Trek, but I will say that it did one thing well. That is that it introduced like my kids into the Star Trek universe, and then we went back and watched, you know, Star Trek: Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock. So they were into all of those because they got into the 2009 reboot. Yeah, my kids got even got into it. I mean, th- this first movie is good. Like, I I saw this in the theater. I mean, I did not expect to like it. I saw this sucker three times. Yeah, I think I saw it twice. I was I, mean, I was so impressed with it. I thought I thought it's, just, it's a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not to say something that we say a lot. It's a lot of fun. That's what we say when we don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, I mean, it is good. I mean, there are some things uh, I, lo- I really enjoy about this movie. I love the fact they blow up Vulcan. They fucking raise the stakes in this universe, and they destroy a big planet. Yeah, that that caught me off guard. I was like, holy crap. They kill Spock's mom? Yeah. Here you go. We're raising the stakes here for these characters. It, it gives your bad guy that personal story where it's more than just, we got to stop him. We got to stop him because he fucking killed my mom's dude and he blew up everybody on my planet except for a thousand people maybe <laughs> i like how he, he has that endangered species line later in the movie where it's just like oh man that's kind of that's kind of creepy yeah i thought it was interesting too because as we've already said like the movie has old spock and his newer newer version of himself so they actually meet and the throughout the movie like spock and kurt just they don't get along they're, they're at each other's throats. Spock wants to be the captain, and it's kind of old Spock that tells him, no, you need to cherish this friendship. It's going to be special. And that brings back all those like memories of Star Trek, and you're like, yeah, dude, it's going to be... You just don't know. I liked all the Spock uh, stuff. I do feel like part of me is like, man, I wish they hadn't had Leonard Nimoy in here, just because it, it, it feels very like I need to pass this on to a new generation, but at the same time, like, the fan of me really likes it. It's, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, see, I, I, I love it, and, you know, there's a part of me that kind of is like, eh, you know, why don't we let these new guys do their thing? We're getting so many remakes and reboots, and so to have this being a prequel reboot, it, at the same time that it's a reboot and a sequel, I, I just thought that was a very Star Trek way of... No, you're right. It is because it it you know it starts off it's a sequel to all the Star Trek movies, and then it's a or it, no. It starts off as a prequel. Yeah, but then it becomes a sequel, <laughs> and then it's a prequel again, and then it's an offshoot reboot. Yes. <laughs> See, like the, it, it only a Star Trek movie is going to leave you going. It's a you know, and then it kind of does this thing all because of these damn black holes in outer space man these black holes dude just don't go stay away from black holes don't make black holes okay so in the movie the movie starts out you see kurt's father die because the something is the ship thing is attacking him 
Yeah. And then you find out that Spock from the future has come into the past. And that kind of starts the timeline over for these new characters. So everything that Spock lived happened. It, it It's in the record books, but now there's a new cast. And because Spock changed the past, everything new is happening. Yeah, well, Spock doesn't change the past. Uh, Nero, Eric yeah, Bannis' well, character, ends up blowing up that uh, the Calvin ship, right? With Kirk's dad, and you know that's. I guess it really doesn't change things for Spock that much because the ripples haven't affected him yet. I do like how he's still on Vulcan, still doing his Vulcan stuff, right? You know, and until Nero blows up, yeah, like Vulcan, he's, he still goes to Starfleet. Like you feel like, yeah, his journey is is kind of the same. You follow Kirk's character, and you see. His change and how I don't know. It's kind of like how the universe correct corrects itself, right? It's like, oh, he's not going to be a Starfleet. Oh, wait, no, he is going to be a Starfleet captain. He's got to go through some different hoops to get there. It's still his destiny. It just takes him a different path. Yeah, and I still like how it's his dad. Like I think in the old series, like his dad was like the reason he joined up. It was his father, and that's what you do, and you follow your family footsteps. And in this one, it's more of a. My dad did these great things, and he died, and... I'll never live up to that. Yeah, I need to prove myself. I can be as good a man as he is. Different reasons, but, you know, the same thing. I, I, I like those <clears throat> parallels that they've brought in. Pilot episode of Star Trek, Kirk's not there. It's Captain Pike. Yeah. And in this, you see Captain Pike is the original captain of the Enterprise. You learn why Kirk becomes the captain. Yeah, I, I I really enjoy this movie. Uh, I like the all the action sequence. I like the drill bit, dude, when they go down in Vulcan and have that fight on the drill. Yeah. Sulu gets a little moment. The red dudes get killed. <laughs> that, that, that was a nice touch. That's one of those little fan services. Right. Where, man, it's, that was nice. Uh, red shirt in Star Trek. Oh, don't, don't, don't wear red, man. Don't wear red. Uh, but no, I, I really like 2009 Star Trek. You got anything else to, to say about... 2009 before we go on to into darkness no let's go into darkness what did you what did you think of this one man you know honestly like i enjoyed it but i did not like it as much as i liked the original i had a couple of issues a little big spoiler warning here um we've already talked about wrath of khan as being our favorite my favorite your favorite everybody's favorite everybody likes some Khan, bro into darkness sort of just straight up rips off wrath of khan and, I mean, it goes back to that whole, like, you know, Kurt's destiny is he's going to be a Starfleet captain. And apparently their destiny is that they're going to run into Khan and they're, somebody's going to have to lock themselves in the nuclear chamber. Well, that is one thing I liked about it. it because of that event that happened with Nero in the first movie, that one event actually caused Khan to be found earlier in right. the timeline for this, I thought that was cool. Like, it, it, it totally had a cause effect, even a ripple effect in this film. In this one, instead of Spock going down to fix the nuclear reactor, Kirk does. And Kirk dies. But they bring him right back to life. Okay, can, um, we, can, we, can, we, can we pause and talk about this for a second? Uh, yeah, you asked me my opinion. I'm telling you, these are problems I had with it. Um, I, I see why they thought it was okay, but... You're drawing a you're drawing a parallel to a movie that you're not going to live up to. It's just fan service, dude. It's just fan service. It didn't even make sense to the story. Kirk's whole thing with his crew, and you know, like the whole story is eventually he's going to get himself into a spot where he can't win. He wins. He didn't learn shit. He went and died. He still saved his crew, and then he gets brought back to life by Khan's blood. I don't know why anybody was worried in Star Trek 3 about anybody dying. Just go get yourself some calm blood. You'll be fine, dude. Just go go in the bathroom, shoot up some calm blood. You'll be okay. It's all right. You know, have a heart there attack. Was, there was something else that was brought up in the 2009 reboot, and the it really came out in, in the sequel, is that now apparently you can just beam from anywhere, which... Yeah. A lot of people brought up that kind of negates the whole needing of the five-year mission. <laughs> if you can just sort of beam to anywhere in the galaxy. Man, just, just start throwing up uh, transporter pads uh, in certain places. Well, as long as you have the coordinations, you got the portable one, remember? Man, that's yeah, true. Because Khan used the portable one in the helicopter thing. They messed up some things here. This Star Trek Into Darkness has a lot of stupid action movie cliches. 
I don't really expect from Star Trek. And the other thing that I don't know, it it didn't bother me as much as it bothered some people, but I understand it. Just because the timeline started over doesn't mean that the Cleons would look different. The I don't like the way the Cleons look at all, dude. And the outside of the Enterprise, dude, the Bird of Prey is all the Cleon warship right. is badass, dude. It's badass. Why would you fuck that design up and give me some like, Transformers looking crap? With it just looked terrible. I look. I love the redesign of the Enterprise. I thought all that looked cool. I thought it looked amazing. I liked how they made everything fit spatially, right. you know, in the ship. I thought all that was cool. It was awesome. Bird of prey. No, thank you. I want the old one back. Um, <laughs> I mean, just update that. Like, you know, and I see where they were trying to pay homage to the design elements in certain parts of the ship, but overall, man, just no. That was not my cup and, of tea. You know, I read the argument. Well, the Klingons look different in the movies than they looked in the TV series. They look different in Next Generation. So what does it matter if they look different now? And it's not something that like made me like while I was watching the movie, I didn't go, oh well, that's taking me out of the movie. Not the, a fan of how the Cleons look. The con thing sort of took me out of the movie, and I know we, I, I think we disagree on this, but uh, the admiral or the general dude that's wanting to start the war that starts oh, out to be the bad guy. Yeah, Peter. Uh, see, I Peter thought, Weller. See, to me, I thought that was a good enough bad guy. Like we didn't need con. Oh, no, I agree with you on that, I, but I thought both of them in the same movie was stupid. It's stepping on each other. I, they do it in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and I just – I fucking hate it when, they, when we have a bad guy. Once Benedict Cumberbatch, who does a great performance, love him as an actor, he's super oh, he's, fucking he, awesome. He's good in the movie. No, he's great. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from what he did. <sighs> Look, once you have him say his name is Khan, we know he's bad. Right. We know it. I don't care what fucking universe it is. This guy is crazy. He's engineered to be a psychopath, murdering, superior son of a bitch. Right. Don't try to tell me, like, he's a good guy and make me start to feel sympathy because he just wants his crew. The only reason he wants that crew is so he can rule the world with them. Right. I mean, I didn't like that brief plot where they tried to make... Make you think that he's going to help Kirk. Yeah. You know, and they, they try to play it off like Kirk is not completely trusting of him, but they just get too buddy-buddy for me. And if, if you're going to have to team up with your enemy and do the whole, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. If you're going to go that route, go that route and make sure that the audience, we're not having any sympathy for this character at all and we do not trust him. Don't waste fucking screen time in a movie that's already over two hours long on stupid shit like this. I don't know. I know I'm not exactly probably the audience for it because I already saw Wrath of Khan, and I know this is probably for another generation that hadn't seen that movie, but when they did the callbacks in the last half, I just, I lost it. It made me really mad when Spock screamed out, Khan, because it just <laughs> felt, if it was the most hollow moment I'd felt in a, in a blockbuster movie that has some really good moments in it. Just so hollow. I just, I don't know. Unearned. Watching it, I just I thought the whole Starfleet general that is trying to start a war with the Klingons and all of that was way more interesting than throwing Khan into it. He's got this super ship that he's made, and oh yeah, that's super awesome. See, I, I thought that would have been a really cool thing to like have Kurt trying to outsmart this admiral dude. That oh, I man, I loved all that. I mean, even when that ship is like when it starts a firing in warp, you know, and yeah. those guys are like, oh no, we're in warp, we're fine. It's all right. And then it comes up and starts firing at them, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we are so screwed. That was amazing. I loved all that. It was surprising. It would have been way more interesting to see that play out in a Star Trek-type situation where Kurt has to figure out how to, you know, basically beat somebody that should be his superior. That would have been more interesting. It's one of those weird movies that while I was watching it, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. And then it was later when I'm thinking about it going, I just wish that... I don't know. Sometimes when sequels do the repeat gag, sometimes that kind of gets on my nerves too. Like they did the dish in the first movie where they had to, you know, skydive zero G to skydiving down in the planet. And this one, they go from ship to ship. Yeah. Uh, there's just some of those moments like that. And I didn't, I didn't really like Peter Weller's uh, daughter character. The I think she comes on the ship originally as like some kind of doctor weapons. Oh, yeah, expert. She's the one that he, in Wrath of Khan is the mom of this yeah. kid, and she is hot. 
Yeah, they do some. There's a scene where she's like, you know, getting slightly undressed. I think they're she's under like a bra. Oh yeah, or maybe it's a bra. And she's changing and, clothes, and Kurt's there. Yeah, they try to bra- you know hit some sexual note there, and yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, you know what? Speaking of relationships, the one thing they did change, even in the 2009 one, we haven't even mentioned, is Ohura and Spock are now an item. Yeah, they are. You know, I didn't mind it in the first movie, even when I saw them like you know together. It's like ah, it's kind of weird. As the movie went on, I was like, yeah. I'll buy it. Yeah, you got you guys are selling me, selling it to me good enough that I'm like, yeah, I'll have some of that, please. They're definitely playing off a little bit more on the human side of Spock. Yeah, Spock gets a lot more emotional. I don't know. It, I could have used a lot more uh, Kyle Urban's uh, bones in the second one. Um, <laughs> he didn't really get a lot, and he had that one torpedo scene, and he gets some good lines here and there. But I could have used more of him. But okay, look seriously, the movie's not terrible. I mean, it's a fun summer movie. It is. It, it just—it's well done. It's just one of those things where it's when I watch it just as itself and not part of the extended Star Trek canon. I don't mind it as much. It's when I'm reminded that in this is a sequel to the movie that, in a roundabout way, is part of Star Trek canon. That I'm like, well. Why remake Wrath of Khan without the Genesis project? And at least in Wrath of Khan, they had the balls to leave, you know, leave Spock dead until the next film. I mean, that's the thing, though. That's what was so great about Wrath of Khan. Like, Spock dies, and they have the Genesis prog- uh, planet and everything, and that makes sense. Right. This one doesn't make sense. McCoy is over there bringing uh, together, uh, bringing uh, Tribbles back to life, and uh, Kirk. It's like we've cheated death. You know, the Federation, they're immortal. Yeah, they they completely ignored that in the next one. Yeah, they totally ignored you. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, look, dude, it's it's too hard to manufacture. We can't recreate his blood. Sorry. He's just the perfect human being. I don't know. It it does have some problems, but I do like... It has some good moments, too. Yeah, like... The Enterprise going down is an aw- that's cool. When I Spock uh, beams over the torpedoes, that's amazing. That was great. You know, uh, Leonard Nimoy's uh, uh, second little cameo, even in this one, where he's asking him about Khan. Liked that. Yeah, I was on board for. Um, I really liked the way they improved the interior of the ship with the uh, the dilithium uh, chamber with the crystal. You know, their warp drive with and, Scotty. Hey, the that guy that's cool. playing Kurt. Acting his butt off when he dies, man. When he tells Spock he's scared, <laughs> dude, that was awesome. I mean, it just comes across very realistic. Like, yeah, it does. I mean, you know, d- listening to what we're talking about, Kurt's locked in this radioactive chamber, just like Spock is locked in it in Wrath of Khan. And Spock is there talking to him, and Kurt looks at Spock and says, I'm scared. And just in that line, like, you feel that weight of knowing you're about to die. And hearing it from Kirk, who's never scared of anything, then they, they retcon it, it I, with the next <laughs> next scene. Like I, I probably wouldn't have as much problem with it if they had left him dead. The beginning of the next movie is the search for Kirk. <laughs> the search for Kirk. It's I, like you know he's just a human. They they come back all the time, right? I mean. You know, if they if, if every all the humans are like it, Kirk you, is you, Jesus, you come with some Star Trekky way to we're gonna bring Kirk back. They didn't do that. He came back within like ten minutes of dying. Yeah, well, you know, he's not gonna really they're not, not gonna kill Kirk off in the second film of the series. You know, hey, they killed Superman off in the second film of the series. What they? Oh. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. The dirt's rising, brother. Come on. They didn't. No, that's no. his ghost. I've seen enough horror movies to know that's his ghost. I will say this. Star I Trek- enjoy it while I watch it, but when I think about it, it bothers me. That's my opinion. Yeah, and, and Star Trek, uh, Spock running. Uh, you know, I don't know if the wig is made for him to run. That is the, that's the only part of the movie I actually inappropriately laughed at in the theater is when he was Quint- – the Zachary Quinto is running – after Khan to go get his blood to you know save save Kirk, I just, never noticed it. Oh my god, dude! How can you not? It's just like it's those little bangs are just flying all, <laughs> all over the place. It's it's oh, it's terrible. Go back and watch it. It's uh, it'll, it'll make you laugh a little bit. It does a lot of things right too. Um, it's not it's just not my favorite Star Trek movie. In fact, you know I put it down there with uh, Star Trek Five. 
In fact, I actually may like Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, more than this movie. And that's the one William Shatner directed, so you know the quality is up. Uh, so I, I think we've talked about these t- two J.J. Abrams tricks. So yeah, New Helmer took over. You know what? Let's uh, let's take a break, play the trailer, and uh, just go ahead and put out. We're going to spoil the crap out of this. This is the new Star Trek, so if you haven't seen it, we're warning you now. Is that music? It's a good choice. Hey, well played. We got no ship. No crew. How are we going to get out of this one? We will find hope in the impossible. Well, at least I won't die alone. Well, that's just typical. Let's hope this doesn't get messy. This is where it begins, Captain. This is where the frontier pushes back. What the hell is this? I know why you're here. Why we are all here. All right, we're back. We're talking Star Trek Beyond. Abrams hands off the reins. To Mr. Justin Lin from the Fast and the Furious. And there are some moments in this that have a little Fast and Furious feel to it. Yeah, you could tell he brought he brought a little flavor flavor over from his previous work. But hey, good for him, bro. Good for him. If you haven't seen the movie, toward the end of the movie, they have to figure out a way to stop this like hive of ships. And they figure out they can do it with um, high sound waves. Yeah, high-frequency radio. Yeah, high-frequency radio. So they need something that's really loud, so they play Beastie Boys through space, which I wasn't even going to bring up that sound doesn't travel through space. Oh, no, 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 no. They're just transmitting it to the other ships. Oh, okay. Because, like, yeah, that's the whole point is the the hive – the way the hive mind ship works is that they're all connected on the same algorithm to make a move in unison. Yeah, I got that part, but then they showed the shot where it sounds like it's – blaring through the speakers oh no i think it's supposed to be like you know inside the you know come on you got to do it for effect but yeah they're just trying to like scramble their communication so they all that drum hit when they all explode at the same time is awesome oh when they do it from the uh the space station yeah yeah that is cool right Uh, because the song's playing and then they're just like right on this one drum hit it's just like the song kicks up and the space station starts emitting the same sound yeah, I think it's on one of the one of the screams. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> they just they, you see them all blow up. It's pretty cool. Real a little quick. homage when they start playing the song. Kurt goes, mm, "Good pick." Yeah, because it's the same from the, from the first. McCoy, is that classic? Is that classical music? <laughs> yes, Doctor. It appears to be. Beastie Boys is classic. Yep. There you go, man. It's classic rock. We've well, had this yeah. conversation. I know. Yeah. Every was it twenty years? Twenty years is classic rock. Or is it was it twenty? Is twenty? Twenty. Man, that's crazy. All uh, right. So this movie picks up after Into Darkness. We're uh, into the five year mission. Kirk's a little worn out. He's a little tired of the five year mission. He wants out. Got three years into it, and he's already looking to be he's an burnt out. Yeah, he puts in for an admiral spot. Reminiscent of uh, the the earlier Star Trek films, like that's one of the things. Like you know, William Shatner's Kirk was always an admiral and had to get a reason to be to captain the Enterprise in every movie until he got demoted back to captain. Yes, uh, which I think it was like in the it was like the third film fourth. or was it the fourth? They saved the world. Oh, that's right. Because they, yeah, they in the third the whales, one, the and- yeah the. Enterprise blows up in the third film, just like in this third film. <gasps> Another callback. Now, that was one thing. Into Darkness, we didn't talk about the opening sequence with you know in the volcano, which I thought into that opening sequence into Darkness was awesome. The aliens look cool. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's got those great lines of. Well, I just love the whole idea of like they're they're messing with this indigenous species, and now these people are going to worship the Enterprise. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you violate the goddamn Prime Directive. You, that, it's, that's why it's the Prime one, dude. I liked, I liked this one and Beyond a little bit better with the 
the creatures and how it's revealed. There's the little guys. Yeah, that they're actually small. Because in the beginning, you're like, these guys are huge. I don't know if Kirk should be just dealing with all these guys. You're getting a little rowdy, and there's a whole bunch of them. It was a good reveal that they're, you know, they're tiny. And I, I thought that was so cute, man. It was, it was Trek, you know? And it's a playback later when you find out they kept one as a pet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lie. Something like, uh, uh, "Hey, Kevin, I see you have, still have still have no pants." <laughs> I don't know. They look like little cute space dogs. Spock is considering leaving. He's uh, he's about to go back to Vulcan, New Vulcan. Well, they they do a nice little callback because Leonard Nimoy actually passed away. Yeah, Ambassador Spock in this movie passes away. Which so I, he, he I feels it like well it's important that he goes back to New Vulcan to help do whatever they're doing on New Vulcan. Make some Vulcan babies, dude. Gotta gotta keep that Vulcan species going. It's endangered. Breaks up with Uhura. Yeah, because of that, you know. Which I'm sure has got to be like a really awkward conversation. Like, I, honey. The, I love the when he tells he tells Bones later that they can track her by her necklace. And Bones is like, wait a minute. You gave your girlfriend a tracking device? <laughs> well, it's great how it builds. Because it's, a, you know, it's that Vulcan metal. And he's like... You can uh, tell it by its radio, uh, by its radiation. And he's like, "You gave your girlfriend radioactive jewelry." And he's like, "No, it's, it's, it's such a small amount; it's never gonna." <laughs> but it's trackable, so you grow your girlfriend a tracking device. It's like, man, you just... remind me never to get on your good side. <laughs> Both Zachary Quinto and Kyle Urban are on point in this movie. Yeah, I even thought Scotty's uh, interaction with the alien chick that he meets. Oh, let's get there. Let's okay. So, they port at a big space station in space. The Federation has built this huge space station, which um, is cool. They made a reason for it. They, they didn't want to put it on one planet because it would be seen as favoritism. Right, makes sense. And then there's a distress signal. This chick shows up, so they send the Enterprise into this nebula to oh, figure out what's going on. Hold on, man. We got to talk about uh, Inceptionville back there. I liked how. They incorporated certain elements of, like, Elysium, but it still looked like San Francisco Federation from the first two movies. Mm -hmm. But it still had that really insane inception. Like, just the gravity is all crazy. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, like, everywhere. I had no idea how it works. gravity is being created by that centrifugal force, so... It doesn't make any... I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, because the buildings are going every which way. The starship futuristic. Yeah, I like how the starships come in... Like later in the movie, like on one of the ports they go in toward the climax, and they bust out from the port up through a pool. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. I it borrows a lot visually from a lot of other science fiction films. I, I thought it was interesting, though. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting concept. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool. Oh, well, I did like the alien, um, the alien chick. So, watching the movie, did you ever trust her? Oh no, no, Me absolutely either. not. I totally was like, kill her. Don't go. <laughs> well, she looks too much like the uh, the alien bad guys in the movie. If it's Star Trek and they want the aliens to look different, they're going to make them look different. Right. Although I guess, you know, Romulans and Cleons back in the day kind of looked very similar. Limited makeup ability, man. Leave them alone. So anyway, they, re- they respond to this uh, distress signal. They get to this on the other side of the nebula. No communication back to Starfleet. When the ship comes, and it's like a hive of little ships, and yeah. it messes up the Enterprise, which I thought was cool that you could fly the just the saucer part as like a flying saucer. I had never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, they do that in, uh, was it, Star Trek uh, Generations? It's the I first Next Generation movie. They actually separate, uh, yeah, they, that's the first time I've ever seen it on big screen. But yeah, they can I'll, the I'll openly admit this on the podcast. I am not a fan of Next Generation. Oh, really? You don't like the Next Generation movies? No, I've I've tried to watch the series and get into. I just can't. It's like that's not Kirk. Earl Grey, hot. No, and this is this is a this is a bone of contention between my wife and I. Like, she's a big Next Generation fan. You don't even like First Contact? I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, you need to see that. That that's actually one of the better Star Trek films. I, like usually everybody puts that in like you know that's either three, four. I yeah I I tried to watch the series. So I just I've never seen any of the Next Generation movies or. I like Generations too because it's got Malcolm McDowell as a bad guy. Anytime Malcolm McDowell's in your film, is that the one where Kurt 
dies. Yeah. So you've seen that, right? Yes. Okay. That's the one where they do the saucer separation part. But it was so long ago, I don't remember much of it. Okay. And then uh, First Contact's the one with the Borg. James Cromwell, amazing performance. You know, that'll do pig from Babe guy. Uh, it's funny. It's on point. It's like four. It's like Wrath of Khan meets Voyage Home. New, you know, next generation cast. Yeah, you should check that one out. I, yeah, so the whole flying of the saucer part of the ship, all new to me. Did you actually think that they were going to wreck the Enterprise? I Yeah, I saw the trailer. Well, yeah, I mean, they they wrecked it a lot and into darkness, but it still didn't crash and get destroyed. Man, it got fucked up bad. This is the worst the Enterprise ever took it. Yeah, those little bee things. Those were cool. That was a cool design. That was a cool idea. It's like a bunch of little ships moving around like a swarm so you can't shoot them out of the sky. And they just, they fuck the Enterprise all to hell. Yeah, they take it apart pretty much piece by piece. And then they board it. They're looking for this weapon that Kirk offered to the little alien dudes at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And they didn't want it. <laughs> Did they steal it? <laughs> I'm just some grumpy little dudes, I man. I know, man. They were, they were pissed. They just want to start a war with us. Kill him. <laughs> they're going to eat us. Isn't that what they were going to say? They're going to come here and try to eat us. Uh, at that point, you still think they're huge and they're like, eat you. And then they roll down and they're like two feet tall. You're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, you are like dinner size. <laughs> oh, man, that was so good. I'm like over here dying. So they crash onto it. this planet. These bad guys take most of the crew hostage. Do the James Bond explain what the bad guys want to do in front of everybody so you know exactly what they want to do. Yeah, everybody knows they want that one artifact piece. That's made very clear. Gotti ends up hooking up with this alien chick who has found an old Federation ship, her house. The Franklin. Which I thought was hilarious. You make my house fly. Simon Pegg's like, you know, I'm going to give myself something good to do. On this film, you he know, did. he gave he, he got away from the little alien dude, got the hot alien chick. But they did bring back his little alien sidekick, you know, and he gets yep. a little he gets a little uh, moment, a yep. little hero moment of snotting on the door with his like alien acid snot. Never seen that before. Uh, Idris Elba coming in, uh, playing the bad guy, Kroll. Uh, yeah, rolling. Oh, that's right. The, the new gunslinger or I guess the only gunslinger that we've had in film adaptation. So. But he did a, a great job. A little, little hard to hear sometimes under the makeup in that very beginning. That is one. I've only seen this movie once, so I must have missed something. I don't understand the makeup. When you first meet him, he looks very alien-like. Yeah. But then you find out later that he's the captain of the USS Franklin that crashed on this planet. He thinks that Starfleet left him there. He wants to kill Starfleet now. And he changes back into his normal self. I didn't understand. Why does he look like an alien? What did I miss? Uh, yeah, I saw him like draining power from bodies. Yeah, uh, the way my, the way I understood it, he was taking on whatever form of whoever he was draining. Like if he drained more aliens, it would make uh, him look more alien-like. But he's he's got his ultimate weapon. He ends up draining two that of That ultimate crew weapon is a little confusing to me, too. It just like eats flesh. It's just, I guess, the MacGuffin of the movie. Like, it's just an ultimate weapon. Yeah. It's some particle effect, you know, that they... I do get tired of that, like, the particle effect look. Like, oh, look, it's like it's supposed to be like nanobots or something. They're eating your flesh. You're ripping it apart. And well, that was one... Like, I felt like this, this movie really tried hard to, like, capture that Star Trek feel. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was successful in that, though. I did think it kind of missed it with the ultimate weapon. Like it never yeah, I can see it that. never really told me what the ultimate weapon is. <laughs> it explained it that it's like it gave some name to it. Yeah, there's no like this is what it does. These are the properties of it. Like I don't I don't need much. I mean, like in Ghostbusters, Egon says we might can survive if we cross the streams. And then Peter says, ooh, you said cross the streams is bad. And then Ray gives me just enough that I don't question it by saying total protonic reversal. Yeah. And this, I, I didn't really ever understand. It's just an organic ultimate weapon. This very well could be, too, that I'm watching it with two kids asking me questions throughout the whole thing. <laughs> no, they don't really explain it. I guess I'm okay with it because they don't. 
don't really go anywhere with it at the end. It's just a MacGuffin to get the bad guy to do whatever he's going to do to kill all these people. But I'm guessing that if he released it in the the space station, it would have eaten everything. See, I don't know if it was going to eat like all if it's just going to eat biological material or if it would, yeah, like eat the glass out and everybody just get sucked out into space. Well, it sure ate that little traitor alien chick with the hands on her head. <laughs> Wait, she wasn't a traitor? How was she a traitor? I guess Kurt she- told her do not give him that and she at first like even remote chance somebody could be in trouble. She's like, okay, I'll have it here. Oh, dude, I don't know. It was, it, it was kind of creepy when he asked her. He's like, hey, uh, can I hide this uh, alien artifact in your belly button that's in your head? What? My wife did point out because I was like, no, like these guys are supposed to be trained like Navy SEALs. Like they're not just going to give up the information. She goes, no, they're not. They're they're explorers. They're not soldiers. Now that goes back to you were talking earlier about the Kroll's motivation in this movie. Right. That was one thing I was a little confused on because there are some parts where he is like, I'm mad because I was left in abandoned here. Right. And that's that's pretty clear in the movie that that's also part of it. But then they also bring up this he was a military general. Right. There's a at least three moments in the movie where he talks about your unity is your weakness because Starfleet encompasses and the Federation just grabs every species that wants to join. It is a species melting pot. Yeah, I see. I took that, and I, I, I could be completely wrong. I took like that his motivation is he's pissed that he got left. That their unity is feeding his hate. Like they're all unified, but they didn't come get us. They don't care about us. They care about everything else. I think it's at the very end where he's in that chamber floating around with Kirk. And he specifically says something like, they were the enemy, and now you joined the enemy. Like it, Kind of like that old soldier thing where he yeah. can't let go of who he was fighting. Like, you Yeah, know? you definitely get the sense there were some Nazis left over that... Yeah, I don't know. But it I don't remember explained. him ever explaining who that was. I, well, I don't know. He's just like the Cleons, the Romulans, and he, he's... Mentions a couple of species here and there, but I, I don't think there was any because more yet specific. on this timeline they're not friends with the Klingons. I don't know; they haven't really addressed it yet in this new universe. Other than in the first one, I thought that was real interesting that that one admiral wanted to start a war with the Klingons. Yeah, I don't know now. I mean, because you know, three years has passed. They, they don't mention it in this movie. I mean, it's not not important, but I'm sure there's some geek out there. <laughs> I read the uh, the graphic novel, and uh, you know uh, why am I making fun of? I am a nerd. Why are we making fun of? I'm making fun of my own. What am I doing? I don't know. I was I'm, wondering that myself. I'm self hating over here. I'm so. Oh my god, what is going on? This is what. It's a new timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's been replaced by like frat dude. That's like Zack Snyder. Like you look at that guy, and then you hear him talk. I read my comics while I fucking work out. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him and like Ben Affleck, and they're just pumping iron. I, I, like, in the what gym. happened to nerds that look like me? It's all like <laughs> out of shape, and even like J.J. Abrams, who looks like your traditional nerd. Yes, right. Started a whole fad where like now people just look cool and look like J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Speaking of nerds, I guess we didn't bring this up. Trekkie or Trekker? Oh, what? what you, that's right. What do you call Star Trek fans, man? You call them Trekkies or you call them Trekkers? I have only ever heard them called Trekkies. Oh, man. Yeah, see, some, some Star Trek fans get really pissed when you, you call them Trekkies. Really? Yeah. Well, can we mad. just call them Star Trek fans? Dude, they got to have a name. You got to have a name for everything now. You know, there's probably a Star Wars fan name, but I don't know it. Yeah, there's there's fan names for everything. Pearl Jam fans are referred to as the Jamily. I was like, wow, you guys lost every bit of, like, hard edge you could ever have had. <laughs> yeah, you could have called them the Jammers, man. I mean, that just sounds no, a little bit... family. Th- oh, man, that's... Uh... They're a family. Yeah. What are Star Trek, Star Wars fans called? Yeah, I don't think they have a name. I think they're just Star Wars fans. Jedi? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's there's religions for the Jedis and stuff. That's taking it a little far. Yeah, that is way taking it far. Hey, Star Trek fans have uh, have an own language, so there you go. Uh, I guess going back to this movie, Star Trek Beyond, which we should uh, we should probably do. What are we talking? Spoiler: we talk- Kurt saves the world with a motorcycle. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I liked how they set that substance up. 
um, that shoots yeah. out of the back. Her little traps. Yeah. Some kind of stolen alien technology from some other Basically, it's like a, life form. like a gas that hardens yes. into like a gel. She uses it to catch people in. And then later, Kurt uses it to make a shield around his people while Scotty figures out a way to beam them on board. On the, uh, the transporter that was only designed for cargo. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I like love that. the scene where there's a scene where um, Spock gets hurt in the crash. And he's got this metal thing through him. Bones does a little surgery on him, gets him better. Oh, that's such a funny scene. And then later... They're you know they're running from the bad guys and Scotty has just figured out how to make the transporter work and I don't remember the line but Scotty's like I'm here with you buddy and then Scott beams Spock up and leaves Bones there and he's just like well <laughs> that figures he's left there with the bad guys by himself right before they beam him in and Scotty's like I didn't want to mix you like, we didn't know if this was gonna work. <laughs> Well, he comes off too, and he's like, "Oh man, like my insides feel all weird." Yeah, <laughs> you can tell it's not the best transporter. This film has the right amount of humor for me. Like, I thought it was funnier than the other two. Most of the humor falls to McCoy in the first one, McCoy and Scotty. Yeah, that's true. In this one, it's pretty spread out between everybody but Spock. He yeah. is the butt of some jokes from McCoy. Oh, dude, yeah. When he start, I love that when he's injured and he starts laughing. Oh, we McCoy's should we like, should mention delirious Chekhov. Oh yes, Anton Yelchin passed away. That is so sad. 20, that is twenty six, twenty six, twenty seven. Uh, he actually has a really you know big part in this movie for Chekhov. Yeah, and uh, he just had the Green Room come out. Um, I think he's got some other films that have yet to premiere. And he's got a big role in this. It's going to be interesting to see, though, what they do with it going forward. You think they kill Chekhov? Write him out of the next one and say he died? Or it would it feels bad. Like That's if what they, I would do. Yeah, if they didn't give him a moment, because they did give Leonard Nimoy a moment in this movie. That's in fact, he got do. two. I would not cast a new Chekhov. Yeah, I don't think you can. Yeah, you know, because the returning cast in these movies, it, that is actually a real important thing about this film. It's part of the appeal is watching this. This cast yeah. go on their missions. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to get the uh, the white and black alien chick in this movie, if she's going to be the new weapons console person. She could. She's pretty good with weapons. You know, they, they hired the daughter in the last movie. She's not in this one. No. The the blonde from uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Mister. Not in this film. So I we'll see if they keep her around or if they do like some kind of uh, Christy Alley's uh, role. I forget her character's name in um, Wrath of Khan. But maybe, you know, maybe they'll add like another Vulcan in there or something like that. There's not many Vulcans left. That's true. <laughs> we kind of we destroyed, uh, you know, a whole planet full of Vulcans. So I just wanted to bring it up because that guy, he did really good in the movie. He was a really good actor. Yeah, it's a shame, man. Really sad that he passed. I'm glad, though, that they were able to fit uh, for Anton at the end of the movie. They give, you know, they give Leonard Nimoy the, the memory, and then they do for Anton at the end. And, yeah. Because he, man, he passed away, like, a couple of weeks before this was released. You know, that was a bitch for them to get in there. I, that's classy, though. Right. Good for you, Paramount. Good for you. Because I'm sure that cost him a couple of thousand dollars. And when a studio spends a couple thousand dollars to show a little class like that, you get a pat on the back. Movie, how's this movie doing in the box office? It's not doing that well, man. This has been a weird summer, though. Uh, this summer's been really hard on sequels. You know? I mean, outside of Finding Dory, we really haven't had a box office hit in terms of sequels. You know? Um, what about Captain America? But that didn't do as good as the other Avenger movies. You know? That even suffered a little bit of decline. And I remember... It's not an Avengers movie. It's not labeled as one, but it's pretty much has almost all the Avengers movies minus Thor. Uh, yeah, all the characters minus Thor and Hawk, right? Those are the only two that aren't really I, in there? I still haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? Yeah. Oh, you should see it just for the uh, when Ant-Man shows up at the airport because there's a really funny Star Wars joke in it. Just for that oh, I mean, five I, seconds. I, I want to see it just to see Spider-Man. but uh, Spider-Man's in it, yeah. But, I mean, even that had kind of a drop-off this year and. I don't know, I was hoping Star Trek was doing well. I haven't checked. Uh, it's it's over a hundred million now, but it's not keeping pace with uh, the first or the second. Ouch! Which the second 
didn't make as much domestically as the 2009 Trek, but it did. Star Trek Into Darkness did make up its money overseas, and it ended up like I think like seventy to a hundred million dollars more worldwide. But it doesn't look like this one right now is going to do that. Mm. And I don't think it's released in China yet. So you know the Chinese market is so huge right now. I did notice that there were a couple of Chinese logos at the beginning of this movie. Did you notice that? I did. Oh, I did not know that this was uh, co-financed by a Chinese company. That's kind of crazy. By two. There were two Chinese logos in the beginning of this movie. I just hope it makes money. I want to see another one. I think we're going to see a lot more of that, man. A lot more uh, American China. They have the money. Yeah. They owned Legendary. So there you go. But yeah, uh, they already announced a fourth one. Unless this movie really tanks. They're doing a fourth one. And uh, from what I hear, Chris Timsworth is signed on to star in the fourth entry, which he's the guy who plays Kirk's dad, George, that yeah. uh, dies in the first movie. So maybe they'll do some time travel elements here Sounds again. like they're planning on it. <laughs> yes. You know what? Maybe that's what they'll do for the final film. They'll go back and fix the universe to the way it was. The Trekkies would love that. I'm sorry. The Trekkers would love that. If they rectified it. The Trekkies and the Trekkers will come together. <laughs> And I don't know. Would you like that? Look at you, man. Are you bringing peace and unity in here? Um, That's you what know, I'm all about, man. I, I did. I like that. You're like, you know, hey, look, you two groups of people that don't see eye to eye. It's okay. Come together here. No, I meant, do you like the idea of like fourth movie retconning the three that you just saw? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, you know, I would initially I would say no. I don't like that. But I really enjoyed X Men: Days of Future Past, and that's what that movie did at the at the end. Spoiler alert. For that, but yeah, that retcons the entire universe into none of that shit happened. I don't know though if they if they retconned it on the last one. We don't get any other movies though. I don't know. What do you think, man? What's your opinion? I feel kind of eh, just eh on this. What, what do you think? I'm sure they'll hire writers that'll do a good job. <laughs> Benson fucking hates that idea. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather see something like. Some alien technology has made itself look like Kirk's dad, and then Kirk has to fight what he thinks of as his dad. More emotional journey for Kirk. Like, maybe at first, I know I'm just throwing out ideas and they're not going to do any of this, but, like, maybe at first they encounter the ship and they're like, holy crap, that's my dad's ship. And you think it's time travel, and then you realize later it's not really his dad. It's just some kind of cloning technology. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Star Trek. I'll go see it. Oh, yeah. As much as I've liked all three of them, really. I will say this is the only film I've seen twice this summer. Yeah, I saw it once 2D, once 3D. Did you see it in 2D or 3D? 2D. I took the kids. Yeah, it's not really worth the 3D, man. I do not recommend the 3D at all. Uh, The closing credits looked amazing. You know, I never even really... Think That's about it. going to see movies in 3D, unless it's something like Avatar, where I'm hearing about the 3D. Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe. You know, I was hearing somewhere, and it's just rumored that James Cameron may be putting out The Abyss in 3D. I will go see that. Yeah, I'd go see that. I'd go see that. If it's Cameron, I'd go see it. You know, he, he his he, post-conversions are pretty okay. He tends to do a good job with stuff. I like the Titanic post-conversion to 3D. I thought that looked pretty badass, man. I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, it's it's it was pretty cool. So anything we missed here, Benson? I guess we didn't go through the whole end of the movie, but this is a newer film. You guys can go see it for yourself. Other than, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool that they did the whole, like, finding the old ship and Scotty has to get it going. and Ooh, They have to hit terminal velocity on the ship to, oh, yeah. to get it going. Yeah, that Now, that was cool to kind of jumpstart it. I liked that. I thought that scene was, was really well done. You know they're going to get off, but, man, the shot, how it... Dipped out of frame, and you're just like, Wait, Oh, it's totally a ripoff of the shot from uh, uh, Into Darkness where it drops down, the Enterprise drops down, you're like, Oh, it crashed, and then it comes back up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they do that. That shot is like in every one of them because there's even one in like the Saturn belt in uh, the first Star Trek where it comes out of like the, you know, like the dust belt in Saturn. It rises up out of that, and it's just like, I guess that's the new shot. It's a cool one. You know what I did want to say? The Enterprise in this movie 
for whatever reason. I don't know if they had extra budget or special effects or we've just gotten better with our special effects and CGI, but I felt spatially the windows and being able to see the people through the windows on the ship was amazing. Like I could you could tell on the saucer part like what the levels were, like how many levels there are. Yeah. You know, you could see where the bridge was physically on the ship. Like just the layout of it made so much sense. Whereas before, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah the, the bridge, I guess, is kind of here. And... Well, you've always known where the bridge is. You do? Yeah, it's on the top. How did you know it was, it was on the top? It could be anywhere. Because they've done shots before where you see them in the in the bridge. Where else? What else would be at that window at the top of the ship? That's where the bridge goes. Yeah, but that's only for this new series, though. That was never in the... I don't even think that part of the ship was designed for the, the yeah, old it's, series. It's a little circle. Is it a little circle? A little, little hump. Even the newer ones, I don't. I don't feel like the space was as. And there's one where you see a hangar. I can't remember if it's the first one or the second one. I think it's Star Trek Into Darkness. No, I, I agree that the spatial on the Enterprise is definitely well more defined in this movie. Yeah, I'm just saying that I've always known where the bridge was. I have to go back and watch those movies, man. I don't. I don't know if you ever really got a, a clear sense of. I, I guess that that just made sense. That's where the bridge goes. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but... It's where it would be on a ship, so why is that not where it would be on... I, I, you just don't see it, man. It's not real unless I see it, brother. Oh, okay. Now I got to see it. But I, I like that, and... Um, yeah, man, I thought I thought this was a fun movie. Gave me my Trek fixed. I thought it was the best of this series. The Abrams universe, even though Abrams didn't do this one. See, I'm not, I'm not sure if I like it as more than the first one. Oh, you don't like this one as much? Dude, this is hands down my favorite. I'm not sure. I, I really like the first one, and I was really impressed with it when I saw it. The first one just has... Definitely like of... it better than Into Darkness. Yeah, yeah, no question there. The first one just has a couple of those moments, like Kirk's flashback when he was a kid. I really hate that scene in the first one, where he steals the old car. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No, it doesn't. It just kind of comes out of nowhere... Why does he have to throw the car and then jump out at the and almost kill himself? Like, why does he have to do? I don't know. I, and I'm I'm picking into that a little bit, but this one just felt right to me. It, the the humor worked, the story worked, the action worked. So there are a couple things here and there that were a little muddy, but man, it's, it was it was really fun, and I just it, it it gave me the Star Trek ride that I wanted, and with the characters that I needed. They felt re- I, to me. They felt really comfortable now in these roles. Like they have this shit on lockdown. This is our new Star Trek cast going forward. Yeah, I did feel like they they paid homage to the original characters enough, but still brought their own kind of world to it. Do you want to mention the controversy at all, or just skip over that shit? What was the controversy? Uh, George Takai got really ticked off that they made Sulu gay. No, you know what? Let's cause let's talk about it because the movie kind of handles it in a in a really weird way. They do make a Sulu gay in this movie, and when they drop him off, well, when they not they don't just drop him off, but when they dock with the space station, he meets. I guess now he has a daughter, which was never mentioned before ever uh, that I can remember in the now, first two. A, a fan of the original Star Trek told me that in the original series, it's mentioned that he has a wife and a daughter. All right, so he's so, coming home now. To a man and a daughter, his husband, which I thought was I thought apparently it was they, handled really awkwardly. Apparently, they cut something out after George Takai said what he said, and now it's kind of obligatory. Like it could be his brother and his daughter, but yeah, he was not happy with them making Sulu gay. Well, the way they did it was kind of bullshit, man. He meets the dude. He hasn't seen his lover in three years. And, dude, look, I don't care if you're heterosexual, gay, or whatever. If you have not seen your significant other in three freaking years, you're not going to meet them and hold backs. They don't hold hands. They hold backs. Yeah, well, his... his That's total weak sauce. Well, his problem with it was... And you can look it up. It's all over his Facebook page. That, it wasn't Roddenberry's vision. Yeah, he said that Sulu has never been a gay character. If you want to introduce a gay character into the series, by all means, create a gay character and introduce it. But don't change a character. I can understand that. And I think Simon Pegg was a little surprised. I think he thought, you know, since George Takai is gay, that he would be, like, extremely happy that they're playing homage to him. So this got to be kind of an interesting little battle on social media. 
No, I don't think it was a battle. I think it was more of George just being like, you know. Well, battle in the sense of, like, words back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mean, like, they were shooting at each other and, like, blood. And- well, I mean, it didn't really get heated. Because uh, you you kind of understand where George is coming from because, you know. Well, there he are act- some heated conversations about it, though. Like, fans on both sides of this are. <sighs> That's so stupid. He's-, He's the one that made that character. They're friends. They knew each other. So I can understand that he wants to respect his friend. He wants to respect what he created with his friend. Right. That, that makes total sense. But at the same time, we live in a different world. This isn't and, the 60s well, anymore. A so. gay friend of mine also said that if it were him, he would feel like it was a cheap way of acknowledging his lifestyle. Yeah, it, it is. It is kind of. Me personally, like yeah. I, I, didn't really, I didn't really think about it. Like I heard that they had made Zulu gay, and I was like, okay. And then I heard that George Takai was upset about it, and I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. It never really crossed my mind that that was going to be an argument. I don't really give a fuck if they make his character gay or not anyway, because it's not like they did anything with it anyhow. You know what I mean? It's just a fucking two-second shot. Now, I would have been, like, really, like, kind of ticked if you make Kurt gay. Like, whoa, that's, like, completely against Kurt's character. I don't know, man. He's already man with fucking aliens and all kinds of other shit anyway. it's Kirk is kind of a whore of the stars, brother. Well, that's what I'm saying. So if you if you suddenly found out that he's not and he's got this husband and a kid, that would be like, that's not Kirk. Oh, well, you're, no, that you're okay. So you're talking the difference between man Kirk and Kirk settling down. Yeah. I do like how they tried to make Chekhov a little bit of a man and this as well, like he, like every alien chick in the world. Well, he wants to be. <laughs> He's like, let me tell you about vodka Russia or uh, Russian the vodka. Scotch. He had scotch. I do see, and that's that's a good way, like to break your stereotypes by something that's real simple, like, oh yeah, just because he's Russian, he had vodka, right? No, no, he's got scotch. It already shows what and a melting a good pot. Good scotch. Yeah. Oh, and that's to bring up because in this movie, it's Kirk's birthday. Yeah, another callback to uh, Rathacon. Uh, that, that's the only one. Can't tell that Rathacon made an impact on people, can you? It is It is one of the favorite, uh, you know, the more favorited Star Treks. Well, man, I guess we should, uh, we should probably uh, wrap this up here. Uh, there is one more thing I want to say. And okay. This is about the character Sulu. I love it in these movies when Kirk tells Sulu, you have the con. And Sulu is in the captain chair. Because he gets so serious. And he, ah, it's just awesome. Because Sulu does get his uh, his own ship, I think, in six, right? I think, yeah, it's, it's six undiscovered countries. Sulu is a captain. Look at that, man. They're just covering their bases, making fans happy. This is a good series, dude. I love Star Trek movies, man. I usually always love them. It's a good universe. It is. Well, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and do our closeout here. So you guys have been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. You guys want to get in touch with us? Our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E at gmail.com. Guys, please rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. That helps people find out about the show. We would certainly appreciate that. We finally, finally, after over a year, have five listeners that got off their ass to rate us on iTunes. (sighs) Guys, come on. Come on here. You're killing me. Uh, we're also at uh, we're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Movie Crew Pod. You guys can find us there. Uh, you know, we just mostly post episodes and things that interest us. On that, Mr. Benson, where can they find more of you, sir? So yeah, I guess you can find me at J Edward Benson on Twitter. There you go. And always, please check out Girl in Woods, Amazon, iTunes, all that VOD stuff. Wherever you enjoy your digital content. So like always, we leave you guys with a little bit of the soundtrack. This is from Michael Giacchino, track four, Enterprising Young Men. Enjoy. Enjoy.